I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Welcome to the Storytelling Lab, where we break down how to get to the heart of your story and the hearts of your audience to leave the greatest impact possible. And now here's your host, a filmmaker and competitive storyteller, Rain Bennett. What's up, my beautiful people? Welcome to another episode of the Storytelling Lab, where we help you break down the art and science of storytelling. This podcast is a six-second stories production. Six Second Stories is a video marketing agency that tells heartfelt stories to help you maximize your impact and inspire action in minimal time. Check out more about what we do at SixSecondStories.com. Does everybody out there have one of those crazy genius friends? I'm not the only one, right? Okay, well, I have a little story to tell you about one of mine. So I'm on Instagram uh, one day, a few months back, and I have a weekly column on chapelboro.com where I'm often talking about storytelling and, and, but, and connecting with our communities and just different things that I've gone through that week. Every Wednesday it comes out. And so a friend of mine who lives in New York, I've worked with him before uh, for a few months, uh, a few years back. And he's a, he's a good friend of mine. He's, he's a little, little crazy and all over the place, but he's, he's a connector. He's, he, he sees people and things and he knows how to put them together. And in fact, he's an agent that finds sponsors for sporting events. That's what he does. That's what his agency, Leverage Agency, does. His name is Ben Sterner. And so uh, he read one of my articles and just shot me a DM on Instagram. He was like, you need to talk to my friend Rob Similcare about his app persona. And so I was like, you know, sometimes he tells me stuff and I'm like, yeah, okay, Ben. And other times I follow up on it and, and yeah, and that, that, that was it. That's all I thought about it. 
Then I get a text, a group text from him like four minutes later before I even had the chance to check out what persona or who Rob Simulcare was. And it was to, to me and a 917 number, which is in New York. And so I'm like, Ben, and mind you, this was like nine o'clock at night. And Ben was like, hey, Rain, this is Rob. Meet each other. You guys should talk. And I knew exactly what <laughs> I knew exactly what Rob was probably going through. It was the same thing that I was, which was like, "What? Who is this?" What? And I'm like, Ben, I'm not gonna like start a official business conversation with somebody at nine o'clock at night. You didn't even give us any context. We don't know why we're talking. But I looked up Persona anyway, and Persona was an app that was still in the in the beta testing uh, stage that. It was an interviewing app. It was, it was an app for people to ask other people questions. See, Rob's background is he was a sports analyst for, for NBC Sports and ESPN, among among many other things. He interviewed people and learned how to get the best out of them through asking questions. And he saw that there was an opportunity to to create a tool to give people this power because he saw how powerful interviewing someone could be. So I was like, hmm, maybe there's actually something to this, Ben. I mean, you know, I, uh, you know, I'm a storyteller. I see the value of this. I've been looking up different other apps that that achieve similar things. And Rob was nice enough to just reach out and say, hey, Rain, you know, how are you? Blah, blah, blah. And I followed up with him over an email. And I think this broke the ice perfectly. And I was like, hey, Rob. You're probably like me and just wondering why in the hell uh, Ben (laughs) texted us at 9 o'clock on a Sunday night to talk to each other. But anyway, here's what I do. I'm a storyteller, yada, yada, yada. I like what you're doing with Persona. Would love to talk to you more about it. So we scheduled a conversation, and I'm telling you, this is where the genius part and the crazy genius comes up. Rob and I hit it off immediately. I loved his value and his mission, why he was doing this. He was doing this because he found a picture of his grandfather in Harlem, decked out, looking great, and he didn't know this person. You know, he didn't know that version of his grandfather, and he just had so many questions, and he was like, you know, what are you, what are you doing today? Where are you going? Like, what are you into? What do you do for hobbies? And, and he, he realized that he could fill that gap for people who could ask these questions before it was too late. And I know there's a huge market for this. And so I, I loved the idea. He allowed me to, to, to come in and play with the app and be a part of the beta testing group and give feedback on what I thought about it. And it was awesome. And we just, we really aligned in terms of how we're trying to shake the world a little bit through conversations, through com- community and, and connection, right? And so I texted Ben and I was like, all right, you were right. You were right. And, uh, you know, another great connection made by Ben Sterner. So shout out to Ben. We talk about him a little bit on the show. But Rob and I continued to talk. Uh, and I, I have the app now, Persona. You should te- definitely check it out. But, but listen to what Rob has to say about it and what it can do and why. And why he decided to put this out in the world. Because I know that you'll get it. I know that you'll get it. And it has such a great place in this world. And I'm so happy that he created it. And I'm so happy that Ben introduced us because we've become good friends and I love playing with the app. And we we are in conversations about ways that we can create series through what I do on Persona. And, you know, we're living happily ever after. What can I say? So this is an awesome opportunity to talk about storytelling in the context of how we can ask and answer questions in our communities, in our tribes. I love it. I know that you guys will too. Here is Rob Simulcare, the creator of Persona. Check it out. I hope you love it.
cool, man. How's life in Westport? Uh, it's, you know, it's like life, life everywhere right now. It's mostly at home. Uh, I'm in an, I'm in an office now, so at least I've got uh, some space to go to outside the house. My 11 year old daughter's with me just to get out of the house are, and away are, from her uh, sister. Are, <laughs> how many people were checking into the office? <clears throat> Nobody but me. Oh. <laughs> um, my Evan, who's my co-founder is, is in New York city. Yeah. And so we haven't seen each other in, in many weeks now. Um, I'm not setting foot in New York city anytime soon. And, uh, he lives in Manhattan and got coronavirus. Um, I, I think the numbers of people who got coronavirus in Manhattan are so like the numbers are reporting are so ridiculously low. I think, I think millions, I think probably somewhere between one and 2 million people in New York. Have like, I don't think there's any question it's that high. Uh, it's the population of the city is 10 million, 10, 20% of people at least have had it. Um, and I'm sure he's had it. So uh, he, he was coughing and he had all the symptoms for a good Dude, week and a half, two weeks. That's heavy. But he's fine now. He never went to the hospital, never did anything. He's totally fine now. This is the first time that, you know, I used to live in New York. That's when I met our mutual friend, Ben Sterner. And uh, I miss it. You know, New York's one of those cities that, that puts its hooks in you and they stay. But uh, I have to say that I'm, I'm okay being in Durham, North Carolina right now with everything yeah. that's going How on. Yeah, how has it been down there? It's been pretty good. I mean, our county is one of the main ones in the state, uh, along with Mecklenburg, which is Charlotte, and Wake, which is Raleigh. Um, but compared to those numbers, I mean, it's nothing. So we're just same, like you said, same as everywhere. We're just trying to abide by the guidelines as best we can and not go stir crazy. Um, comparatively not bad, but yeah. Are people taking it seriously? I mean, some of them, the more rural areas you go to the less. And so yeah. I'm originally from little Washington, which is a town of like 10,000 people on the coast, which my mom still lives there. Man, it took weeks for me to, to I don't even know if I ever got through, maybe the world got through, but like they, they, you know, I think they thought that since it was a small town, they were like immune to it. Like it was just something that was going to happen in metropolitan areas. Mm-hmm. But then when they started getting cases there, I'm like, I, I told you, I told you mm-hmm. weeks ago, like, stop going to work. What are you doing? Like, mm-hmm. um, it's hard for people in that type of place, that type of region and possibly of that generation to, to, to hear like you need to stay at home and not leave. I mean, it's scary. I think one thing that I've been amazed by in this whole thing, both from a national and international. And then when you get down to a local point of view is like humans capacity to think that something they hear about, read about is somehow not going to happen to them, right? It's not going to happen where they are, you know? Oh, it's in China. It's not going to come here, you know? Right oh, it's here, but it's not going to come to my city. It's not going to come to my town. It's not going to come to my house. Like people just have this capacity to just make something foreign, you know, and, and yeah. not, and therefore not prepare. And you know, it. what's funny is, well, not funny, but you, is that we tend to do that on, on a massive scale about anything. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, driving with our seatbelts off, that ah, won't happen to me or driving recklessly when you're, yeah. a kid. I mean, this, is a, yeah. this is a thing that we all have suffered from to some extent. And my hope is that after, I know things have changed, how we operate will have changed forever, uh, at least hopefully after, after this, uh, this event. But I think that's one way that, that, that 
hopefully we get some good out of this as we understand like, Hey, we're not immune. We're not, you're not invincible. You know, exactly. we're not invincible kids so, on spring break or whoever you are. Like you're not, you're, you're not invincible. This, this has been a struggle. Like, cause it seems like we're, we're bookended by two generations who took a long time mm-hmm. and maybe still haven't reached a point where they care or think that it will happen to them. And so for those that are either like gen X or gen Y, I'm one of the older millennials. Um, you know, are stuck in the middle of trying to educate the the people surrounding them on the mm-hmm. severity, the gravity of this thing. Absolutely. Uh, I've been thinking a lot about this since uh, you you launched the app, and I want to hear the backstory of, of that of how you created that. But it, it's a little weird bit of serendipity, maybe, that you launched an app on how to virtually interview someone and create yeah. conversations just before this happened. And so have you seen this as some like opportunity to, to encourage more community and more connection during this time when we, we so desperately need it? Yeah, we are trying to lean into that a little bit. Um, you know, we're, we're still very freshly launched. We're actually um, sort of in a soft launch mode. We're about right. to um, do a little bit more marketing around it very soon. But yes, I have done that. And have I've you seen, seen other people utilize it in, in that way? Somewhat, yeah. I've seen some people sending messages to parents or whatever, sort of asking them, you know, to to check in on how things are. I'm actually talking to a local group here in Connecticut that's trying to document this moment that we're in, right? A historical society that's trying to document this this moment with like an oral history project. Um, because, you know, hopefully this is a moment in time that we're going to get past and that people will at some point want to look back on from an historical perspective and say, here's what it was like. Yeah. Um, so I think there's some of that activity going on. And I also think what we're really trying to lean into right now is there's been some real disruption in the ability to communicate, um, for a lot of different types of people who need to communicate. Um, a classic example is people running for office, political campaigns. Yeah. You know, they're just not able to get out and shake hands and hold fundraisers and do the kinds of things that a politician would normally do. So we're talking to a lot of them about how to use the platform to communicate with their constituents, to raise funds for their campaigns, things like that. So we're trying to lean into that. You know, it's, it's, it's always challenging when you're early because you don't have scale yeah. yet. So you're trying to get it in front of people. And I think the hard part is people have so much going on right now, just trying True. to keep their lives together that it's, it's in some cases tough to get them to open themselves up to a new thing. But I think they're more open-minded than they have been because so many people now are using things like Zoom, using things like uh, you know Slack, new digital tools maybe that they weren't really using before out of necessity. So we're, we're hoping that Persona can become part of that mix. Um, while at the same time, we're not trying to just become a solution for the pandemic, right? We right, want to be right. a long-term thing. Yeah. Well, and, and the, the issues that persona, the app is trying, is attempting to solve are issues that were there well before this happened. Uh, but it just happens to work in a, in a time like this because it's about human connection. It's about face to face connectivity. And this is a time, especially for me, a storyteller, I understand the value in human connection, how stories can, can do that and how that's a lot different than 
than a message on Slack, for example. Yes. Yes. Um, and I enjoy this this time. You know, people are using Zoom and FaceTime and Persona more because it seemed like we were moving away from personal interactions and just text because it was convenient. And you know, people people in this generation don't like to talk on the phone. Like that's a thing. You know, I grew mm-hmm. up having long conversations on the mm-hmm. phone, and I still like to. Um, so th- there's something that can't be replaced um, when, when you're just using text tools or something like that you know they're convenient but i think this face-to-face is so important for humans it is i and i i'm seeing things in human behavior i haven't seen before um you know i've been invited to zoom cocktail hours and things (laughs) like that right because i just think people are people are desperate for some human contact right now and you know normally you would you might have gotten that from your office you might have gotten that from interactions with people as you just went through life at the store or the gym or whatever. And you're just not getting that now, you know, you're getting it with your family, but you know, I think depending on your family situation, you know, you, you, you might want something different after a while. <laughs> so I think that uh, people are, are, are looking for ways to do it safely. And I'm just going to be really interested to see how this ultimately changes yeah. this generation? Or is it going to make people more appreciative of the ability to get together in person? Is it going to make them more open to getting together in new ways? Um, are they going to be hesitant for a, a longer period of time to get together in person until there's a vaccine and until we really feel like we've got this thing locked down, at least until the next thing comes along? And, yeah. and you know, there, there may be another another virus and another you know, threat on the horizon all the, all the time as there have been for the last 20 years. Yeah. Those are all, all important questions. So with your background and you were a sports analyst, is that correct? Or, or, um, so you were on ESPN. I had an unusual background in that I was both an executive and I was also on the air. Um, so I was a senior executive at ESPN and then NBC sports for seven years. I ran a bunch of different businesses in those places. I launched several businesses in NBC, uh, including the podcasting business there, um, a radio network, uh, technology business. So I I did a lot of different things there while also doing some on-air work. What was your background before that? What led you to that? Is this what you went to school for? No, uh, my my professional background is, um, I mean, I worked at ESPN for almost 10 years, then NBC for seven. Before that, I was a lawyer. So I practiced law for a few years in uh, New New York City law firms. So what did you, what did you learn from being on air about the, the interaction between two people, asking people questions and letting them open up? Cause ostensibly that's what led us to where we are today with persona. But yes. I want to know like, what was the precipice? Like what was the thing inside that you realized from those years of doing that? Cause it had to yeah, be. Yeah. Thank you. That's a great question. I think that um, what I learned the most and what I really, what really inspired persona was how gratifying it is to get someone to really tell their story. You know, what, what the, the power of asking a great question and the, to me, the gratification that comes from getting someone to tell their story through asking really good questions. When I was on the air, the feedback that I got that meant the most to me was if someone ever said, oh, I saw that interview, it was a really great interview, you know, mm-hmm. or if you got someone to say something that enlightened other people, that um, you know, whether it was just a, a new piece of information that people found valuable or 
a perspective that an individual gave that people thought was worth hearing. Um, because, you know, my philosophy has always been that if you, if you ask the right questions and you connect in the right way, mm-hmm. you can get something amazing out of anyone. You know, everybody's got a story that's unique and it's worth telling. And most people are pretty reticent to tell them, to be honest. For sure. So that's the, the power of a great interview and great questions is getting people to dig in and reach into themselves and share a part of their history and their experience that can mean something to somebody else. Mm-hmm. Let's, I, I want to stay here for a moment because I think this is really important. I have been a documentary filmmaker for almost 15 years. And so my uh, skill at interviewing has gotten better each year. And I talk with people, the, the projects that we work on are sometimes heavy. They're life and death, health-based um, stories that we tell. And so getting people to open up about tough topics is, is, is definitely not easy. Anytime someone exposes themselves and, and, and opens up yeah. about what's going on inside their hearts and, and minds. Um, and I have a lot of people who I serve now in the storytelling space, let's say it's an organization, a, a company or a nonprofit, and they want to tell their success stories of the people who they serve. They have to, they have to learn to become interviewers. So part of what I, how I help people from being a documentary filmmaker and I'm helping them with their storytelling uh, tactics and strategy is, is the art of the interview. Absolutely. So often I have beginners, they're, they're director of marketing for their nonprofit or their company, and they have to do this now, take whatever video equipment they have and go out into the field and conduct interviews, and they're not used to this. So um, I think this is a good a place we can be really helpful to people because it is an art and a, and a skill that has to be developed over time to get people comfortable and, and, and open to answer these questions with some depth, right, to really get some impact. So what would be your advice to people? Like what, what makes a good interview or a good question? I know this is a topic we could talk about and you could talk about for a long time, but for a very early person, you know, a novice, mm-hmm. what are some small tips that can get them started to connecting with somebody and giving them a space to open up and, and, and talk about themselves? I love the question. Um, a lot of what inspired me to go this direction was while I was at ESPN, there was a guy that ESPN hired named John Sawatsky, who was a Canadian journalist, and he specialized on the art of the interview. Um, he actually created a curriculum around what makes a good interview. And it was a lecture that every talent at ESPN had to sit through um, about what is, what is good interviewing? Great questions leading to great answers. And he actually had this, um, this list of what he would call seven deadly sins of interview questions, things that would generally make a question a bad question or lead to a bad result. And so I remember thinking how powerful that was. I didn't always adhere to everything that he, that he um, taught, but I thought it was a really powerful framework. And I'll just touch on a couple of things that I find really key. First of all, I think preparation is just, um, there's no substitute for it. You've got to know something about the person you're interviewing before you sit down with them to really get something great out of them. You have to be able to know a little bit about their history, Um, say, hey, you know, interesting, you did this or you made this decision or you said this thing in the past, and then get them to to, to dig in on why, you know? Um, Because to me, the, the number, somebody asked me, what's your favorite question to ask someone? At the end of the day, 
the question is almost always why, right? Yeah, why it. did you do this? Why did you do that? Why did you not do this or that? Because why to me is generally the most interesting and, and the hardest question for someone to answer. Um, hard, not in a way that it's like a gotcha, mm -hmm. but in a way that it, it forces someone to dig in to their own motivations. And sometimes they, they don't even really know the answer as to why they did this or why they did that. So you're really making a, a big ask of someone to look inside themselves and ask, yeah, why did I do that thing? You know, why did I um, you know, make that statement or take that step or do whatever it is that I did in my life? And it can be a devastating question if it's someone who's done something wrong, right? And you ask them why. One of my favorite interviews of recent times was the, the BBC journalist, I'm forgetting her name right now, who interviewed Prince Andrew, mm -hmm. um, which was just a devastating interview. And at several points in the interview, when she was asking him about his relationship with Jeffrey Epstein, she just asked why, like, wh why, why would you stay with him in his apartment when there was all this stuff going on and this scandal going on around him? There's just, there was just no good answer to it. Right. Yeah. Um, or on the other side, why can give a beautiful answer when someone has done an amazing thing and they've self they've sacrificed themselves. Like some of the health workers we're seeing on the front lines of this coronavirus battle, you ask why, and they'll, they'll give you an answer that will bring you to tears, you know, <laughs> totally. about why they've, why they've stepped up the way they have. So, I think preparation, I think why is a great question. And then I think in general, the thing that's most important in an interview question, Rain, is like not making it a, a, a yet, don't give people the out of a yes or no answer. Um, I really try to avoid asking, do you, did you, would you, could you, right? Because mm -hmm. questions like that can be answered with yes or no. And you may get more than a yes or no if someone is a, you know, a, a, a talkative person but you're not really forcing them to think deeply about their answer. If it's a, if it's any question that ultimately can be answered with a yes or no, most of the time, you know, there are times when that, that makes sense when you need to get someone on the record about something, you know, <laughs> do you support Medicare for all? Yes or no. Right? You, you've got to get them on the record sometimes, but I think the better question then is okay, but why? Yeah. I love that. I, I, I want to add something to that. This is, I can't remember who to attribute this to, but this was a piece of advice that I got um, in the past about interviewing someone and I, I experienced it. So it made sense as soon as I heard it, which was to not, not try to save someone who you're asking a question or throw them a lifeline. And what I mean by that is sometimes we ask a question and it's a good question and it causes a pause because what's going on there is the person is thinking, right? They're thinking it's, it's not a question. I can just be like, yeah, I'll give you a canned response. And what our um, inclination is to do as the person asking, because we think the person receiving the question is struggling, is to kind of start them off or give them an answer or give them a, a lifeline. You know, maybe we clarify it a little more like, you know, like yada, yada, yada. But instead, what is most effective I have found, and this was directly given from someone giving me advice to do this was just to ask the question and pause and let them, let them sit in that moment. And generally what comes out of that is a really poignant, profound statement that they really thought about and came from the heart. But that's just something that a novice uh, interviewer tends to do is, is to uh, try to help them out of that uncomfortable to fill, silence. To fill uncomfortable silence. That, that is, I could not agree more with that. I remember actually with John Sawatsky, we looked at tape mm -hmm. of that kind of thing. Of, of a question being asked, a great question, 
and the silence that ensued. And as a viewer of that silence, I, I think it's riveting. Actually. Yeah, you're like, you're like, you're like you move yeah, in. You are leaning in so hard because you really want to see where that goes. You know, when that when the interviewee is asked a question that is making them pause and think that hard, I expect something really good to come from that. So I think it's riveting, and I think you're right. We all have that instinct to fill awkward silence, but man, awkward silence can be amazing from a from a viewer's point of view. Definitely, definitely. I mean, like a speech, you know, it, there's an ebb and flow. There's a there's rhythm. There's pacing to it, and so it doesn't have to be you know jamming in as many words as possible. That pause is is powerful for sure. Um, okay, so so you spent years in NBC Sports and and, and ESPN. What got us to this point now, where we're we're deciding to launch an app, which is no easy feat. That that's that's helping people utilize the art of the interview and in, in connecting. What, what what took this to this point? So the story really is that a couple of years ago, um, just over two years ago, I had this sort of epiphany. Um, a, a cousin of mine had um, been cleaning out his apartment, and he had some old photo albums, and he found this photograph of my grandfather. Um, from when he was young, when he was in his 20s. My grandfather has been deceased since the year 2000. He, you know, was born uh, in the early 20th century. And so this was a photo from the 1930s. And, you know, I had never really seen my grandfather at that age. He was dressed up to the nines <laughs> on like a three-piece suit on the rooftop of his uh, apartment building in Harlem, New York City. Nice. And I was just, uh, I was just fascinated by it. And I kept staring at it and staring at it. And I realized that what I wish I could do was ask him some questions. I wanted to know where he was, what was the occasion, who he was with, who took the photo, what was going on. I just wanted to hear what his voice sounded like mm. at that age. And I realized that, gosh, I've been on the air for many years now. I've interviewed hundreds of people. And I never, when I had the chance, took out a tape recorder and interviewed my grandfather or my grandmother. And I, I, I found myself really wishing I had done that. And so I said, you know what? I'm gonna start doing that with the people who are here now. So I, I took out my phone, uh, you know, with obviously now these phones have pretty good video capability. And I interviewed my father, my mom, who's a little bit of a tough get, she doesn't really <laughs> want to do this kind of thing, but I, I got her to answer a few questions for me. Started you know, asking my kids questions from time to time because I thought how much fun would it be for them to look back on their old selves and what they thought about life at different points. Even interviewed one of my in-laws at one point. Uh, that went okay. And uh, <laughs> I just thought, wow, this is great. And I know how to do this, right? I've done this. I know how to interview people, but I thought everyone should do this. You know, there should be a place that, 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 that everybody can do this kind of thing. And so that was the initial thinking was like, I just wanted to create a place where everyone would create a habit of interviewing the people that mattered most to them while they could. Asking them questions, getting that history on tape, um, and then having a place to keep it and to save it and to share it with future generations. That was sort of the initial thrust of it. And from there, it just sort of, the thinking kept, kept evolving into 
what I really thought I wanted to be. It's still evolving, Rain. Like we're still constantly debating every day what it should be, you know, where it should go, what features it should have, what the business model should be. But that was really the, the moment that I really said, I, I think everyone should do this. And then let's give people the tools to do it in whatever way would be meaningful to them. So that combined with, I think, me being ready to do something different than like being in big corporate America. Um, and, you know, I just decided, you know what, now is a great chance to go, uh, go give this something like this a try. Yeah, absolutely. I, first of all, I, lo- I love that story so much. Uh, and it, I, I mean, I literally got chills when, when you were talking about hearing his voice. And I think this is something that a lot of people are going to identify with because for, for me, I have a, a great uncle who is effectively my, my grandfather. He, he lived next door and he, he lived until about 103 and he's got a crazy history uh, in Eastern North Carolina on the Outer Banks, which is a very unique place to have grown up on an island before there were bridges. So there, it was a completely different culture. And um, his family was in the life-saving service and the lighthouse service. So very unique history being in the Coast Guard down there and just a, just a character. I mean, everybody has a, a great character like that in their family. And by the time we thought to do, by the time I came along and had started my filmmaking career, I was fresh out of college and, and had the capacity to, and, and, and realized this was important to try to capture. It was kind of too late. He was still there and, and pretty with it, but he was like nine, 96, 97. He didn't start yeah. to, to fail mentally until about that point. In his early 90s, he was still sharp as a tack. And so I got something, but it wasn't as good as it could have been because it was hard for him to engage in, in, that, uh, in that format, right? And he wanted to do as good as he could, and so he was overthinking it. Mm-hmm. And it just wasn't as great as just capturing him telling stories, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I know that I'm actually working with a client right now creating a video while his dad is still young enough to talk about, it's essentially a tribute video that will play at his funeral, but he's able to talk about his life and, 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 and mortality in these, these, these topics while he's still coherent enough to, to articulate what his, his true feelings are. And yeah, I yeah. think this is something that people miss and it's too late or even, you know, they've passed and haven't had the chance to do it. So I know this is something that would benefit a lot of, a lot of people. And what I'm hoping is that we can develop a, um, a culture around doing it in bite-sized, you know, bits, yeah. right? asking a question here, asking a question there, and not feeling like you have this pressure to like, okay, let's sit down with multiple cameras and a set yeah. and lighting I mean, and do a, a whole big sit down interview, right? Because that's a, that's a lot, you've got to prepare it for is. that. People get nervous. You feel like, oh my gosh, I've got to like get everything right. As opposed to, you know, one of the things we want to build and we are building is just sort of sending people once a week a push notification question like, hey, here's a fun question to ask your, your, your daughter, your son, your yeah. mom, your dad, and, and just do it spontaneously, right? And, 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 and pick up those little nuggets along the way. Um, that, that, that's what we're hoping we can get people to do I think um, to, to informalize it a bit the prompt uh, is a good idea because then, you know, things may become challenges, you know, ask your, ask your parents this, this, uh, you know, this kind of crazy question or whatever. And it, it can potentially go viral that way. If you get people kind yes. of jumping on a bandwagon, people love to do that. And sometimes people just need a little, a little spark to get, to get that, those creative juices flowing. But, but what were you were just describing was, was literally what happened with my, with my uncle. 
you know, we set up a thing. I had a, a you know, a Sony camera on a tripod and, and he kind of froze. Whereas if we were just chatting over, over dinner, oh, it, it would have just been pouring out of him. And it's yeah. much easier to grab that phone and get it in bite-sized chunks, like you and said. And you know, one of the things that I'm excited about, it, it, we haven't gotten down this road yet, but I think that the, the, um, the home voice devices, the Alexas and the Google Plays, I think can actually be of amazing service in this. They obviously are only capturing audio, yeah. but audio is a whole lot better than nothing, right? Absolutely. Um, that, that what I said about wanting to hear my grandfather's voice, like I'd love to hear that. Ooh, if I, I would take audio that. over nothing any day of the week. Big time. And so if you have that spontaneous moment that you've got a really good integration with an Alexa or something like that, and someone tells a great story and you can say, hey, Alexa, um, you know, store that last 60 seconds or send that story or send that thing to persona, right? If you can do that in a way that, you know, doesn't invade privacy or anything like that. Um, I think that can create even more of those spontaneous moments that become memorable content as opposed to putting everyone on edge with cameras in their face. You know, I mean, <laughs> yeah. people like you and I are comfortable doing this, right? Yeah. <laughs> but a lot of people still get on edge when you stick a camera in their face and start asking them questions. Yeah, no, that, that's a, that's a great, that's a great, great point. So, so we've talked about helping people capture stories of their loved ones. I love the, the, the flip side of you asking your, your daughter's questions. They would love to see that in 20 years for, for sure. Uh, we've talked I about I keep how, telling them that I keep trying to, no, say, they won't believe you're, you're going to love this. I know it's annoying now, but trust me, you're going to love this in 20 years. And I'm going <laughs> to love it when, you know, someday if you get married, I can, you know, take some of these Pull little cuts out. and play them at your rehearsal dinner and embarrass the heck out of you. That'll yeah. be fun too. Absolutely. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you've mentioned that this could potentially be a way for, for politicians, especially in the current environment to connect with people. What other hopes do you have? What other kinds of conversations do you hope that this thing will help generate between people? So I really think that this can be a, an amazing repository of knowledge. Um, where you, you want to find out about if you're a person or a subject, a topic. One of the best ways to do that is to go and look at past interviews that were done by that person or on that topic. So one of the goals we have is to create this amazing library repository of not just, you know, people like me and you, the people closest to you, your family and stuff like that, which is a big part of it, but you, you want to know who was you know, a public figure. You want to learn about Barack Obama or mm. Anthony Fauci, or you want to do a deep dive on the topic of whatever it might be, you know, right. infectious diseases of all, on, on all of our minds now, or yeah. art or entertainment or movies. Like conversations are to me just amazing repositories of information. And so we want to create this catalog where and we're starting it, where you, you go back and you, you want to see every interview that Bill Clinton ever gave on the subject of whatever, right? Go and search and look at, look at what he had to say about things like that. I think that that's, that's something that can be really powerful as a source of information, Big time. Uh, news, and frankly, Rain, from a business point of view, we're leaning in on that because we need to create frequency and usage, right? We need to create a platform that people will be willing to engage with on a pretty regular basis. Yep. And you're not going to interview your mom or your dad or your kids every day, right? But you might want to watch an interview from, from CBS News or some podcast or whatever that's relevant to you 
if it's served to you in the right way yeah. every day. So that's, that's a lot of what we're trying to do as well. I love that. I think it may have been Joe Rogan or, or someone else with a big podcast like that, that talks about, you know, this is how we like to consume our information these days, you know, in a, in a conversation where we can listen in, get all the context and nuance where a, a pull quote in an article doesn't do the same thing. We don't have that full thought that the person was sharing or hearing them learn. When you hear someone in a deep dive interview on a podcast, we're, we're seeing it, the whole bit of it. And so I, I love this uh, kind of similar concept that you're talking about. And we can, we can go back and look at interviews of, of Bill Clinton or someone like that and really see what they thought about something. Cause I think that that's how in this day and age, we like to consume our information. You know, we're, we're hip to, how media can be manipulated and edited. And so to hear someone ask a question and the other person answer it, we have that whole nugget of, of, of content, of that answer. Yes, yeah, and absolutely. You know, when you wanna to get to know someone, right, when you meet a new person, what's the first thing you do? Ask them a question. You ask them a question. You know, it's usually the, where you're from, what do you do, mm -hmm. that kind but of thing, right? But it leads to another question. It leads to another question. And I mean, that, 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 that it's just so fundamental to, the human exchange of knowledge. You know, I went to law school. Uh, we uh, took classes that were taught by Socratic method, right? Which was all about, you know, teaching by asking questions. You know, you, you, you challenge beliefs, mm -hmm. you, you exchange knowledge by the asking of questions. And it's, it's just the, it's the, a fundamental part of human behavior. And I think there's an opportunity for us as a business because no platform has really truly tapped into that very basic human social behavior. Um, you have some bits and pieces of it here and there. You have a platform like Quora, which is organized around questions and answers. Yeah. And I think they're pretty good, um, but they haven't quite tapped into it in the personalized way that I'm talking about yeah. doing. You have Instagram that does some, you know, you know, a question asking capability, but it's sort of like off, in the remote regions of what Instagram is really all about, right? Instagram yeah. is still a place for like pretty pictures. And then you've got Reddit, which has like the AMA stuff, which is good, but it's text driven. It's, it's mm -hmm. very sort of like comes and goes. So I think there's an opportunity for us to really lean into that uh, behavior to, to hopefully create something that, that, that makes a difference. I completely agree. And I love that you said Quora because I kind of see persona as a video version of that. Yeah. We see uh, it that way too. Yeah. I really love that. And, and video is the way to go. Now I, as a filmmaker and a video marketer, understand the power of, of video and as a storyteller of, of human connection and face-to-face -face interaction. So I think you're almost taking like Quora and TikTok and, and putting them together in a sense, not, not the dancey part, but the, <laughs> you know, the, the exchange, the human exchange, because yeah. whatever, however we feel about TikTok, it, you know, it brings people together watching yeah. people do silly things or, you know, doling out information. And mm -hmm. I also like that if I did want to learn about uh, topic a ABC, that if I sought out a question and an answer on your platform, then hopefully it would lead me to, to like that conversation we were just talking about when you meet someone, hopefully it would lead me to other questions that would inform me further about said topic. And, and then yeah. that's for people like you, uh, I'm, I'm assuming, and me who, who like to learn, there's no better, you know, there's no better solution than, than seeing different conversations that organically lead to similar conversations that will give you more information on it. Right? Absolutely. Totally Absolutely. It's, it's, it's all about curiosity and yeah, that, that's, that's really 
a, a question is, a, is an expression of one's curiosity. Yeah. Um, looking for information to fill a gap that you have in terms of your knowledge about a person or a topic. And so that curious people always have questions. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, and not just answers and statements to make, but they ask. Yes. Questions. Yes. So social media right now is about a lot, a lot of statements, right? And you go on Twitter, it's a great place to tell everybody what you think. Um, I talk about my grandfather in this story, but my grandmother used to have an expression because I was a very talkative young child, as you're probably not surprised to hear. Uh, she used to say, uh, Robbie, I was called Robbie back then. She'd say, Robbie, I have some advice for you. If, if you're going to open your mouth, the best thing you can do is ask a question. <laughs> that, that, was, that was always her saying, you know, because listen, you might learn something if you ask a question. If you're just popping off on what you think, you're not going to learn anything, but you might learn something if you ask a question. Well, that's that was, yeah, she, 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 she was a little bit of a prophet then in, in that sense. So look what you ended indeed. up doing. <laughs> yeah, um, so for people listening to this that are learning about it, it, I know that they'll find it intriguing because, because it is. I think you're providing an excellent solution. As soon as Ben, our friend, uh, told me about it, you know, we laugh because Ben's a little crazy. And I think he texted us both late one night saying, oh, you got to talk to each other now. Yeah. <laughs> we probably... We're, we're in several locations, both rolling our eyes. But <laughs> when I looked into it, I was like, oh, I, I mean, I love this. It's, it's right up my alley. For, so for people who may have heard this, you know, what, do you, what do you want them to take away from this? What do you want them to try with yeah, this? Yeah, thank you. Um, first of all, um, go to personatalks.com. Um, that's our, our website. It's a landing page where you can learn a little bit more about it. You can download the app for either iOS or Android. Still, you know, we're early. It's a work in progress, but it's coming along and when you, when you download the app, the first thing you'll see is a collection of great interviews that you can just watch. And then if you go to the create section, you'll see how you can post your own interview. Um, it's easy to do. You can record an interview in person with someone, or you can send someone a single question. Um, I sent you a question that you answered recently. Um, you can send someone a question who's already there as a user on the app, or if you have their email address, you can just put in their email address and send them a question that way. They'll get a message saying, Hey, your friend uh, Rob wants to ask you a question. Download the app and answer the question. So that's a way you can bring anybody into the conversation. That was a wise choice on on your part there. To, yeah, to- you know, we we'll see how it goes. It's not easy. You know, yeah. apps are great, but you know, it's always challenging to get new people to download an app. So we think that's one way to do it. And you know, we just want people to come check it out. If you come in the first three or four times you come, all you do is watch stuff, you know, put in, you know, search by topic. That's the other thing is you, as you download the app, right. we're going to ask you to give us, tell us about some topics that interest you. We've got about 30 topics, you know, and it's a very broad range of things from news to sports, um, entertainment, movies, arts, uh, health and fitness, like whatever your interest is. And as, as time goes on, we're going to be filling up those topics with lots and lots of conversations that we hope will be relevant to you. Mm-hmm. And we'll be adding new ones every day. Every day we'll add another you know, 25, 30 interviews from all kinds of different sources that we hope will make it a cool experience just as a viewer before you even decide to dive right. in and actually start, start creating stuff yourself. And so when you, have, when, you, when you enter those topics, and then you go to the app is it's uh, essentially like a news feed that we're used to with social media. And so we can scroll and view and view. You, got it. you can scroll your doing. feed. Your feed will be customized for you based on who you're following and what topics you've said you're interested in. And then you can also go and filter the feed anytime you want 
to just show interviews on a certain topic. So, you, you know, you just want to see interviews about the MBA, you can scroll down and see MBA interviews as long as you want. You know, and I'm starting to picture this more, you know, you mentioned with the topics, you mentioned health and fitness, you know, I perked up because I've spent a lot of time in that, in that world. It's how Ben and I know each other. Um, And this made me think about, we already kind of established this where we're in social media is very statement driven. You know, we put out content one direction towards you. And yes, we get comments from people and we may like them. Uh, but it's generally like a health and fitness expert will say, here's a 20 minute, you know, uh, a glute workout that you can do at home. But we know there's a demand for people to have interact interaction with them because of the popularity of, of ask me anything by Reddit and other platforms now. And uh, what we see on like Instagram or Facebook live, people like to, to jump in there and ask those questions. So if I'm thinking of that health and fitness expert, it would be so powerful for them to use this platform deliver their information, but also be in this space where someone can say, Hey, you know, what should we do? Like, what's the proper way to do a lunge or 100% send a video and say, this is how I'm doing it. What do I need to do? And they send it back and say, Oh, your knees far too far past your toe or whatever. 100%. And and, and we are, we are going to be doing that. In fact, we're going to start doing that as soon as next week. Um, We're going to start having weekly events with, people who have something to share, whether it's someone on health and fitness, actually um, the guy I'm, I'm hoping to get, I think I will get knock on wood is Joe DeSena, who's the founder of Spartan race. Who's a good friend nice. of mine nice. to come on and talk about, you know, how to stay fit during this period of time, how to get ready for the next Spartan race. Uh, you know, when there'll be a Spartan race again, right. Or people on the side of mental health, you know, how do you stay healthy um, how do you keep your spirits up during this challenging time? So yeah, we want to have so many different ways. these weekly events of people, you know, this is the week to come ask this person a question and it's going to be easy to do. You come on, you follow that person right in their profile page is a big button that says, ask a question. And Huge. then every time they answer a question, that's going to go in your newsfeed. You're going to, you know, you're, you're going to see all of their answers given to questions lined up in your newsfeed and then right in their profile page as well. So we really are. I love it. And, and, and how many times have people out there used YouTube to, as a tutorial, right? Like I actually Absolutely. changed my brakes one time, surprising to me because I don't come from a car family, but watching a YouTube tutorial. That's impressive. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, now, now my brake pads, not, not the whole system, but still it was impressive to me. I'm still, I'm still blown away. I could do it now. How much more powerful would that have been if the person on that YouTube video, I was able to ask them a direct question when I That's ran right. And get a video answer, right? Because right. when the answer needs to be something demonstrative, right? I need to be able to take out my phone and show you where exactly that screw is, where that, um, attachment is to finish whatever the job is you're working on. It's powerful. It really is powerful. Absolutely. Well, look, man, I know that we, you've got to, to, to head on and head out and continue on with your day, but look, I appreciate you coming on so much. You know, you. we've talked already that, that I love the app and I'm a big fan of the concept and I'll do anything I can to help you guys. Well, we'd love to get your stuff on there. Um, we're, we're, we're going to make it easy for creators like you to just post your interviews onto the, onto the app, whether it's just, uh, you know, putting it, putting up your YouTube video into your account or uploading it natively. So yeah, we'd love to have your, your, you know, you've already got an account on persona. Thank you for that. But <laughs> we'd love to have your stuff. We love, we love what you do. Um, love the conversations you're having and would love to have more of it. 
Awesome. Sounds good. And I think that's going to be helpful too for you all is, is making it easy for people to repurpose their content there. Because yeah. if I have a video already created, I can use that. And it's just a, it's the, the, the beginning point, the starting point and now having that conversation. So we don't necessarily even have to create new content to, to get started on a person. Correct. Yeah. Correct. That's exactly right. And that's what we're doing. Love it. All right, Rob. Thank, Thank you, you man. It's always a great uh, talking to you. Stay safe. Stay healthy. Be out safe. There, be healthy Hope to, to everybody out the, there. On the other um, side. You know, stay home. Okay. Thanks, buddy. See you, brother. See you. My name is Rain Bennett. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed that episode, do us a favor and subscribe to the podcast. If you're already a subscriber and you're enjoying the show, give us a review and let us know the value that you've gotten from it. We love to hear from our listeners and learn about the benefits that they're getting from the show. That's what fuels us and that's what fuels the show. And if you've already subscribed and you've already reviewed it and you think there's someone else that would benefit from listening to this show, please, please share it with them. The more we grow, the more we can help you grow and that's what we're here to do. Join us next time on the Storytelling Lab. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.